You're now listening to the Something Good Podcast Network. Please press any key to continue. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of History We Forgot with one of your co-hosts, Chris Morrison and Christy Phillips. Welcome back, everyone. Today, we're coming back from a long holiday hiatus. We're back with some new episodes to continue with. Uh, Some of our ongoing content, along with some special requests from the Something Good Network Discord. That's right. Some of us read it. Christy does. I don't. (laughs) We hope you enjoy the new year with us. And uh, as we dive into some matters of history and stories we learned throughout the way and some we forgot along the way. Uh, so sit back, enjoy, and hope you enjoy this episode along with the many others for the 2024. Title music, blah, 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 blah. Today we're picking up where we left off uh, on one of our f- uh, former episodes, uh, the kind of weird area between World War One and World War Two, where we discussed uh, some of the rise and falls that kind of created what is World War Two and kind of some of its bullshit policies that, uh, <laughs> that we kind of fell into. Yeah. Um, going into like some of the... The world, the world's kind of on a brink right now. You know, when we're talking about it, it's, you know, the mid to late thirties, uh, financial collapse all around. Uh, everyone's kind of going through their own version of the depression. Um, a lot of rise in pseudoscience ideologies, a lot of uh, racial fascism, uh, some corrupt capitalism, some damn right shitty communism, uh, and uh, halfway across the world, imperialism through the Japanese, fascism through Italy, and they're all kind of just this amalgamation, just a powder keg ready to blow. Mm-hmm. Uh, to begin with, there are some misnomers we're going to be talking about, some little myths we're going to kind of make right. Uh, one is the opening salvo for World War II. Mm-hmm. Uh, for us Westerners, uh, a lot of people believe that World War II started on September 1st, 1939, uh, when the Germans decided to goose step their way across Poland and uh, mm-hmm. what was probably a one-week war. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that the Polish died trying to defend i give them that they are the toughest motherfuckers out there yep but they just couldn't handle it yeah um, the germans being too good at what they do the blitz and that's where we get the term blitz mm-hmm. um an all-out assault on all fronts air land and sea and just obliterates the polish army mm-hmm. granted the polish are dealing with uh, skirmishes with the russians at the time here and there but now it's full on by this time czechoslovakia the rhineland all these areas have already been taken by the Nazis, yeah, uh, Austria, Hungary. Uh, some new lines are being drawn. It kind of starts with the Nazis taking back the Rhineland, mm-hmm. which is a uh, for those who don't know, is a strip of land that evolves around the Rhine River, yeah, in Europe. That was taken away after World War Two or World War One, um, and the Germans took that on the chin a little too hard, yeah, uh, along with a special little strip of land in France uh, <laughs> that still speaks German today. Uh, but they, when they, when I mean they took it on the chin, they lost a lot of stuff post World War One. Yes, and rightfully they should. Uh, they are the instigators, in in my opinion, the ones who really took everything on the hard on the chin uh, when it comes to World War One. Yeah. All right. So you know they're like, well, you hit my goddamn friend, and just has to throw a rock at everybody and see what happens. <laughs> you know. But uh, listen to that former episode, uh, War One opening. When we're talking about the opening on that mm-hmm. um, on a previous episode, uh, but no. The biggest myth is the opening of World War II. 
the invasion of Poland. Mm-hmm. For a whole groups of people halfway across the world in China, World War II started on um, December 13th, 1937 with the invasion of Nanking, mm-hmm. also known as the Rape of Nanking. There's a reason it's called this, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Textbooks do not mince words when it comes to this. Um, so what happened is this is the second version of a Chinese-Japanese war, also known as the Sino-Japanese War, the second Sino-Japanese War, uh, where the Japanese Imperial Army just hauls off and decides to invade Manchuria and the city that is Nanking. Um, and within the span of six weeks, uh, 200,000 people are victims of war crimes that you can only imagine. Um I'm not going to go into too much graphic detail, but this is the worst war crimes imaginable. And the annihilation, liquidation of 200,000 people in the span of a month and a half is horrific. The Germans themselves couldn't reach that number that quickly. Uh, do you know anything about the... What I know is basic, mm-hmm. extremely basic. Now, did they go over that in school at all, much of that? I didn't hear about it until college. Okay. We learned about it uh, ninth grade history, mm-hmm. uh, but it was part of world history as like a just a benchmark at yeah. the tail end. Mm-hmm. Um, but after we get through, you know, in high school for us, it was world history, civics, and then U.S. history. Mm-hmm. Um, fun fact, world history, well, U.S. history for us, we didn't actually get to that part until about March. We didn't get to World War II until March. Mm-hmm. So half the year is already gone when it comes to the school year. Yeah. So, um, and and you yourself, you've already made it past the Civil War, the Revolutionary War, already in in school, right? Remember you last left off. Uh, when we last left off, yeah. yeah. Right now, uh, the semester's over. <laughs> yeah, but um, like your goal, like I know a lot of people, you know, a lot of teachers have to structure their lessons and how much how much of uh out of the what is it 180 days of school mm-hmm. how much do you think in weeks how much would you say you would concentrate on world war ii as a history teacher um i know it's a very enveloping subject but like as i say as a whole what i try to do is i try to get at least two at least two um what i ended up doing the This semester was a little different, but normally what I do is at least two. Sometimes I try to squeeze two and a half. So my base is at least two weeks. Yeah, it's it's very nuanced. So there's a lot of things that are happening in between, you know, battles and war. You know, you take the war part out of it. There's a lot of very terrible things that happen Mm -hmm. on both sides. Yeah. Um, There's no real great heroes other than the winners. <laughs> yeah. And it's American history too, so the kids were Yeah, churched up. Yeah, the kids were very interested to see how I was going to do it from because they've already had a bunch of them had already had world history. Mm. So they're like, "Well, what are you going to tell us that's any different from what our world history teachers already told us?" America's the best, goddammit. <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, here's how I'm going to tell you how it looked from the US perspective versus the European perspective, which with Europe, it's a progression, a slow progression. Mm. With the United States, it's a Pearl Harbor. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, one of my favorite comments was uh, 
Uh, world history started on July 4th, 1776. Everything that happened before that was a mistake. <laughs> uh, uh, the world started in 1776. And uh, yeah, we just go from there. Yeah. And meanwhile, the, whole, the guy's like holding a fucking like little cheap camera and like takes a picture of Big Ben. He's like, everything before 1776 was a mistake. Click. <laughs> and he's like, the wife loves Britain. I don't know why. <laughs> and he just, he just goes... Um, Makes sense. Yeah. So do, do you feel like here in North Carolina, mm-hmm. they're a little bit more liberal when it comes to, you know, what you could teach history wise. You know, you're mm-hmm. not, do you feel that you're being hamstrung a little bit on what you can't, do you have any type of people telling you what you can't teach? Like what subject manager matter you could not cover? No, it was, they changed the history standards mm-hmm. last year. And they have gotten very fast and loose with what you can teach. Okay. So it is actually quite the opposite. It is... Fast and loose. That's, that's the best way to describe school, ain't it? That's, that's the best thing I could come up with. It's very... The standards that you need to cover are things like students will understand... will uh, Students will build empathy and you can teach that with lots of things Mm. you can teach that with world war ii and the holocaust you can teach that with native americans and the trail of tears you can teach that with a lot of things and there are some teachers who don't teach history in progressive order so kind of like a shotgun approach like here's here's something from 1800s here's something from 1960 here's something from 1920 yeah so there's some teachers who don't teach it as a progression. Like it should be. <laughs> my my theory is I can't teach World War II until I teach World War One. Yeah, that's kind of a big deal. So I try to teach it in an order, and then I throw the standards in where they meet. And what we did this semester is we started with... We didn't really start with, like... We didn't found the United States, quote, quote... Not that Christopher Columbus did that, but we. No, he found the Caribbean. Yeah, <laughs> I think Jack Sparrow found the Caribbean more yeah. than Christopher Columbus did, but that's neither here nor there. We started with the American Revolution, and then we moved on through the War of eighteen twelve, and independence, and all that kind of thing, and then we went on, and then we went to World War One awkward period between World War One, World War Two, and then by the time World War Two ended, it was time for exams. So So no coverage of like Korea, Vietnam, Operation Desert Storm. No. Not eleven. <clears throat> no. And I was upset at the fact that I didn't get to cover uh the civil rights movement because I really wanted to cover some of the civil rights movement too and we didn't get there either. And my co teacher who was at the same well not my co-teacher but uh, i don't really know what to call him but the other teacher who's teaching american history mm-hmm. same time i am what he did is he didn't teach world war ii as long as i did he didn't cover the holocaust he he covered it like you're supposed to he talked about it but he knows that's more my thing so he covered it like you're supposed to he mm-hmm. mentioned it talked about it and then he moved on and what he did was every day for about a week he did a big thing from a big year. So he did like... Major moment of 1941. 
something like that. Yeah, he did like 1950. He did like a decade a year. Okay. He did like 1950, 1960, 1970, 1980. A decade in review. Yeah. So he did a big thing for the kids. And he got to talk about the civil rights movement. He talked about uh, the Challenger exploding. He talked about uh, Ronald Reagan. He talked about... Uh, he, he talked about 9-11, and I didn't get to do that because I covered the Holocaust. Yeah. And I think, I think that's what people don't really understand is, like, history is probably the hardest, next to this, probably the second most hardest subject to teach because it just grows in length. Yeah. You can, you're, you're adding, a, you know, you just need to add another fucking week to the school year just to teach it. Yeah. Because, you know, it, it gets progressively worse, guys. Yeah. <laughs> you can't teach the revolution in one day. Maybe take two days. <laughs> yeah. But there's the school system has a set up plan that you can follow. Mm. But one of the things I didn't like about it is the one that they gave us as a sample you could go by had you cover the Holocaust in a day. Mm. And I'm going. That's quick. That's fast and loose. I'm going, there is no way on God's earth that I am covering the Holocaust in a day. There's no way. it's not happening so what i did is i did world war ii as its own thing in a week and then i did the holocaust in a week and that was rough because i had to cram a lot of stuff in a week do you think that it would be better utilized as a separate almost like not so when i was in school you probably had it in your high school was you had other classes on top of your standardized classes, not like your vocational class, not like shop and metalwork and stuff like that. But you took your three history classes, you know, world history, civics and civics responsibility and U.S. history. But huh? you could also take Bible history, which yeah. is like an extracurricular. Yeah. Or you could take uh, like I took five fucking Englishes, which didn't help me at all. <laughs> yeah. I knew how to read. Yeah. But all I learned about was the Khmer Rouge. In Unit 731. Yeah. So, like, that's all I knew about. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, and I knew what a graphic novel was. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's what it taught me. Um, do you think there's room in the curriculum just to have a, let's say, a fall-only a fall only class of history of the Holocaust and genocides? Like, just a, a whole classroom dedicated for 90 days, a whole semester, to that, and you think that could fit in the curriculum as like an alternative, not just not necessarily, but like an extracurricular. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, there's a bunch of schools that have it already. Okay, and um, our school has uh, we have Holocaust literature. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we got a lot of that in uh, English class. Yeah, one of our English teachers from uh, middle school through high school. Yeah, one of our amazing English teachers has Holocaust literature, and she's an amazing teacher. And I would not fault her at all. She's she's great at it. Um, I actually am making a push to see if we can do it as a history class where the kids could get a history credit. Uh, like, as like an extra history credit? Yeah. Okay. Like like we have Bible history. Mm. And and I'm not trying to knock Bible history. I'm just saying as like another extra. King James only, folks. Remember that. <laughs> All right. King James only. It's the you only said one that's that, right. not me. I did. You're goddamn right I did. <laughs> the King James Version, the only one right. Because if you burn that many people alive, it's right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I made a a suggestion because they asked us at the end of the semester and in a survey if there were any other courses we would be interested in teaching. Mm -hmm. And I said that we could 
not trying to push away the Holocaust literature class, but maybe we could do a Holocaust history class mm. to where it would be the Holocaust as a history credit. Now, the only pushback, I could, it's not even pushback, it's more of like general way of teaching a class like that mm -hmm. is you have the Holocaust of Europe. Mm-hmm. But you also have the Holocaust that we'll be speaking about here in a little while in China. Yeah. Would you consider that as part of the curriculum as well, or would you just focus on Europe? I know it's a, it, it's an iffy subject. Mm -hmm. It's a hard subject to tell because you're mixing people who tried to find scientific advancement along with pseudoscientific advancement on these two two sides. If the only bad thing is if it were me, I'd have to do a whole lot more research. Yeah. Because my knowledge of, like, if we were going to do... Because you couldn't call it the Holocaust class. You'd call it the class about genocide. Yeah, it would have to be, like you said before, it'd be Holocaust and genocide studies. Because mm -hmm. I took one of those in college. Yeah, how far did you get? Uh, we made it to... Did you make it to Sarajevo? Oh, yeah, we made it past there. Okay, so you're good. We made it to Darfur, Rwanda. Okay, so you made it to like the early 2000s. Yeah. Okay, y'all went, went progressively pretty fast then. Uh, we talked about... Um, oh... Well, that's college, too. Colleges, you know, they're, yeah. they're, they're fast and loose about a lot of shit. Yeah, but the teacher, um, the teacher that taught it was also uh, adamant because she was getting a lot of flack from one of our other teachers who taught just a Holocaust history course. And he made the comment that she could not go deep dive into the Holocaust itself. Oh, fuck that. Because he said, you know, if they want to deep dive into the Holocaust, they can take my class on the Holocaust. They can take both. I did. I'm going to say, like, that's, that just seems like an asshole teacher. Uh, he granted, was, granted, you probably like the teacher, but I'm saying he sounds like a fucking prick when he says something like that. Well, he was he was saying if they wanted a deep dive, they could take his class. So you could do both. Like, she, she didn't linger yeah. on the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. And... But, you know, guys, we're, we are going to cover the Holocaust in probably like two, three, maybe even four fucking episodes. <laughs> but we are going to sprinkle them out. Yeah. But it is not a minor event in yeah. history, much like this event was coming up yeah. before, you know, the rise of Nazism in Europe. This, th th These are benchmarks in human history that need to be talked about. Yeah. I uh, mean, you can make the same argument for the Armenian genocide. Yeah. Uh, most people don't talk about that. Yeah. Because they're a NATO ally now. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, oh, um, uh, and you got the Khmer Rouge. Yeah. From the Cambodian side. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, fun fact. Henry Kissinger died while we were on hiatus. Thank God. Um, <laughs> he is rising in hell. And if you ever want to talk about Cambodia, you can't not talk about Henry Kissinger. I started to send you a, a TikTok that somebody made. Uh, Ding dong, the asshole's dead. <laughs> no, it was uh, somebody took the thing from Constantine where the devil comes up to get Constantine. Yeah. But he was coming to get Henry Kissinger. Ah, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't get him in the 80s, 90s, 2000s. Took it till 2023. Yeah. What a great Christmas gift, everyone. But yeah, it, it is a hard, you know, these are hard subjects to talk about. Yeah. Uh, but what we're mainly going to talk about is the opening salvo that is World War II. Yes. Um, but going into it, when Japan invades China mm -hmm. at this point, 
China is reeling from what's called the Opium Wars. Yes. Only a few decades before. Uh, mm-hmm. This is where the Roosevelts made their money uh, through the Opium Wars, um, which was the import-export business of raw opium uh, from Japan or from China to Japan to the United States and back and forth. Um, this caused a mass migration of uh, Chinese uh, people to come to the United States to basically build the railroad from the western side. Yeah. Uh, the Union Pacific. Uh, without the without the Chinese people immigrating here, there is no railroad. And the Irish. That's the Union side. <laughs> the eastern part of the railroad is created by the Irish, freed slaves, and criminals. Also known as freed slaves. <laughs> because now you've got a large population of freed slaves, but you still need to get shit done. So now you just call them criminals. And make them work on the railroad till they die. Mm-hmm. And that's how the railroads built, everybody. <laughs> and instead of being put together in Salt Lake City, which Brigham Young had a big perturbed about, Ugh. it's brought together in Promontory Point in Utah, the Mormon <laughs> state. But we'll get we'll cover that another time. But because of the reeling, you know, opium wars going on in Manchuria and Nanking, stuff like that. A second Japanese war mm-hmm. is started by the Japanese to attack China yeah. for resources. Um, Britain had already kind of dipped out of Shanghai by this time, abandoned it. Uh, Britain is actually reeling from some other things while this is going on. Post-World War One, they're running out of money. India is having a revolution with Gandhi. You know, kicking the British out. This is all happening around the same time. So, in a, you know, the massive figures that we learn about in history, they all exist at the same time. Franklin Delano Roosevelt becomes president around this time. Mm-hmm. There is no term limits. He's created the New Deal. He's working the New Deal. The country is trying its best, but they still need a kick in the ass to go forward. Then Germany decides that it has. It has enough land for a minute and says, <laughs> why not Poland too? Which, if you want to sum up history of your continental European countries, that's a sentence that pops up a lot. Why not Poland too? <laughs> I mean, it's there. It's there. Napoleon said it. It's right there. It's just there. And over there is, is Russian. It's Russian. Why not them too? So it seems like there is a common factor when it comes to countries invading other countries that Poland is this jewel of a country that's just ripe to be invaded especially early early before World War II starts where there's this kind of back alley handshake agreement between Mm -hmm. Russia and Germany where they're like we can both have Poland we just got to split it in half and even then that's for people that don't know that's a shaky fucking agreement you know, Stalin says, we will take uh, Eastern Poland, you can have Western Poland, we'll meet in the middle, build a fence, and that'll be it. Mazel tov. <laughs> I don't think it, they said mazel tov, but probably not. <laughs> probably not. Whatever probably the Russian photo is like, fuck it, yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. <laughs> but you knew about that. You knew about the, the split. Yes. And you t- Did you teach about the split at all, about Russia and Germany? The split Poland in half like an egg? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we learned that the hard way. Uh, by not telling us. <laughs> we, uh, I said it, uh, it was really funny. The kids laughed at me. I said, y'all ever heard that old saying, uh, 
keep your friends close and your enemies closer? They said, yeah. I said, imagine it like this. I said, not only is it keep your friends close and your enemies closer, it's you know your buddy has, you know that this guy that you're going to be friends with has something that you're going to need later. So you become bestest buddies with him because he's stupid. Mm. And everybody went, I said, y'all have done it. Don't act like you have it. Don't correct an ignorant enemy's mistakes, for that is a fool's errand. That's that's the saying I've heard. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's it. If he's dumber in a box of rocks, let him be dumb. <laughs> I wish I wish this still worked, but there was a thing that uh, one of my teachers showed me, and I wish it still applied because I wish Facebook still worked enough that the kids would understand it. But it was all of World War Two, mm-hmm. and it was via Facebook, oh. and it was like. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it was like Adolf Hitler and Joseph Stalin are no lo- are no longer friends. Yeah, single. <laughs> yeah, are no longer in a relationship or whatever. It's complicated. Yeah, and it was all the responses and everything talking to each other, or uh, Adolf Hitler and uh, the leader of Japan are in a complicated relationship. Here he do, yeah, yeah, and it went through the whole thing of them talking to each other. And oh my god, it was amazing! And that would work so well if somebody a, would do that, like on Twitter or something. There was a show. Amazing. There was a show robot called Robot Chicken. Yeah, I love and, Robot and, Chicken. And it showed a bunch of kids in a classroom, and it showed like a kid with fucking aviator sunglasses, a wife beater on. That's America. Mm-hmm. And it shows like this little Austrian kid with fucking uh, the the weird little uh, later hosen on, mm-hmm. and Adolf Hitler at his desk, and been like. Shh, and he disappears and now it's just like Adolf Hitler with two desks and then it's three desks and then there's Poland over here just kind of like shaking and he's just like hey hey and UK and France are over here not doing anything and he gets took and then it shows a Japanese kid like throw a rock at the American kid and he just looks over and sees Adolf Hitler and just starts beating the dog shit out of him <laughs> and it's like yep that's that's how it started yeah that did. what did you do <laughs> I need to find that that would be great for the kids to, well as long as it's not like really bad oh no there's a lot of no no it's not appropriate for school <laughs> Curses. <laughs> There's a lot of a uh, German cussing and Japanese cussing in the background, but uh, no, it was just a funny mm-hmm. example of how World War II started, and it's very simple. Like mm-hmm. everybody, get a disc. That's your disc. There are many like it, but that one is yours. <laughs> yep. um, but no, so like with the invasion of Poland, the United States still doesn't take steps toward toward uh, you know having to step in. Mm-hmm. But you're still dealing with. You know, some policy we talked about earlier uh, in the previous episode was a laissez-faire attitude about European squabbles. Well, one of the things that messed the kids up, the kids were like, well, when he took the Rhineland, why didn't they say anything? I said, well, think about it like this. I said, you guys remember when we talked about World War One and how messed up the Treaty of Versailles was, how one-sided it was. I mean, we thought it was so bad that we loaned the guy money. Hello? Mm-hmm. And the kids were like, oh, yeah, yeah. And their money were shit. They started burning it, like, immediately. Yeah. I said, we knew that Germany got the bad end of the deal out of the end of World War One. We knew it was a little too much. Now, granted, yeah, they did cause World War One, but even we thought the Treaty of Versailles was a little too far. But we invented the Thompson submachine gun and the shotgun. <laughs> Meanwhile. A lot of cool shit. Oh, yeah. But... That's why when Hitler, they said, well, did Hitler have any force when he took the Rhineland? I said, no, he walked in. They were all happy to see him. Yeah, guten tag. Yeah. Uh, yeah, punch said, was served. I said, that's like walking into your cousin's house. Yeah. I said, and it was the same thing when he took Austria. Yeah. 
they wanted to be brought into the fold. Yeah. They had some they had their own issues mm-hmm. and they thought that he had the answers. Yeah. And he is a very boisterous man. Mm-hmm. Um he is energetic because he's on drugs. Yep. Uh he has a little man complex. Mm-hmm. Uh, he believes in a pseudoscience that was misinterpreted by a lady named Helena Belotsky, who wrote an idea of what Aryan is. He mistook it for something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, who believed in stupid Norse magic <laughs> and got got. So yeah. this is what happens when you follow stupid mythology, folks. <laughs> this is what happens. And when you believe in eugenics. You end up underground putting a bullet in your mouth. Just saying. After, whole... you, after you marry the girl you've been slamming all this time and then you shoot your dog. This is what happens when you shoot your dog. I would have loved to have been there on the come down days. When he was just coming down, where he just needed to relax and been like, what was I doing? Really? (laughs) Fuck, bro. Get Gordon here. I got a question. I got a question or two. But you said do it. I was high. Why would you listen to me? Nine, 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 nine. <laughs> Inglorious Bastards has forever ruined my oh, visions <laughs> This goofball motherfucker. And if it ended that way, Quentin Tarantino's alternative history is better than Oliver Stone's bullshit history with like JFK <laughs> and Scarface. <laughs> like, but, <sighs> but I digress. <laughs> yes. But then when Poland happens, because I had them do a chart and it was how hitler came to power Mm. and they literally handed it in and they're like we didn't know what else to write and it literally says hitler takes the rhineland what does the united states do nothing (laughs) hitler takes austria what does the united states do nothing (laughs) and i'm like that's you're not wrong yeah we've very sternly said that he shouldn't do that anymore (laughs) well there is a there is a, a tiny bit of understanding yeah we are coming out of a terrible depression yes one in ten are out of work. Mm-hmm. We one have in, one in four don't have stable work. Yes, a good portion of this is caused through the stock market crashing, mm-hmm. the destruction of the Midwest to the Dust Bowl, mm-hmm. influenza pandemic, pandemics coming coming in from the twenties, uh, the rise of the outlaw. The modern outlaw. Not the old West fun boys. I'm talking about the Midwest gangster. Not even the Italians. Or the or, or the Jews of New York or uh, the Irish. I'm talking about the good old-fashioned one-man gangster tearing mm-hmm. an ass through town, cranking fucking music as loud as it could go, and just mm-hmm. shooting every fucking banker from Chicago to St. Paul. Yeah. So that'll be another episode. Yes. But what a time to be alive, boy. <laughs> Fuck the bank. Hell yeah. Think about that for a second, guys. We're going to talk about it on another episode, but think about that. You just robbed a bank, and some guy coming out the fucking bank's like, you going to say anything? Fuck no, man. Fuck this goddamn place. Burnt to the ground. <laughs> that was always my favorite part in Public Enemies with Johnny Depp. Oh, I'm not here to rob you, ma'am. I'm here to rob the bank. <laughs> yeah. Best part. I'm here for the bank's money, not your money. Put it away. You, you might want to put that somewhere else. <laughs> Well, that's why I like that movie, A Wonderful Life, because it's a fucking anti-banker movie. Mm-hmm. It's like, shut the fuck up and don't panic. <laughs> that's yeah. what the whole point of that movie is. Mm-hmm. Um, great Christmas movie. Um, but while this is going on, America is reeling mm-hmm. and trying to get everybody back to work. Uh, you have a lot of companies that are just trying to fall in line. Yes. And there is a small conspiracy, while Franklin Delano Roosevelt is in office, of... DuPont, Ford, and a handful of major corporations, Carnegie and all them, 
wanting to oust Franklin Delano Roosevelt because of the New Deal. Mm-hmm. Because there, if there's one thing you guys should know, fascism is great for big business. Oh, yeah. Big business thrives during fascism. Socialism, it's on the fall because they have to spend money on being decent. That's a fact. <laughs> we talked about uh, teaching empathy. Um, empathy is a hard thing to teach without looking like a pussy. All right. That, that's a fact. <laughs> it's hard to tell people to start caring about one another without sounding like a hippie bullshit artist. I, I, I feel for you. I do. <laughs> But it's a hard thing to teach mm-hmm. when you're talking about somebody who's suffering already. Yeah, you know, you know, everybody's got their own fucking problems. Why should I care about the guy down the street? Yeah, which is a tale as old as time, like Mulan. <sighs> but when you teach, when you go into the America going into World War II, mm-hmm. what is your opener? What what is your event that says America decides to hop right in? I don't start with. When I start, I start everything with the notes first. So I always give them all the notes first. And then we, I'll do the notes for a little while and give them little activities to do. Um, Show me how you would uh, garrote a, a, a German general with a shoestring and a paintbrush. No. <laughs> oh, okay. Different class. <laughs> Very different class. Uh, not my class. Uh, one of the first things I did was... Uh, I talked about, I showed him a little documentary, a whole seven minutes. Oh, shit. On YouTube. <laughs> yep. Well, no, they can't show it on YouTube. What is it? A Night at the Garden. Oh, great one. Yep. Big giant, uh, giant. Uh, Madison Square Garden. Giant uh, posters, but not really posters, a fabric mm-hmm. uh, collage of George Washington. Yeah. <laughs> to, which, I got to say, probably wouldn't have been a fan. No. Of fascism. <laughs> no. Actually, probably would have been a fan of fucking Germans because he had to fight the sons of bitches. Yeah. Called they, Hessians. They forget that he went over the uh, Delaware River. and he, He's a loon. Yeah. George Washington is is a loon. <laughs> yeah, that he uh, sailed over the Delaware River or rode over the Delaware River in the middle of the night he and decapitated some of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that's another story. <laughs> yeah, we've already done that story, Six I think. foot two. <laughs> The teeth of slaves in his mouth. And farm animals. And lead. Yes. Batshit insane. Moon, fucking moonwalking over the ice. (laughs) (laughs) Granted, if six foot two in 1776 is about 6'10 now. If we're talking about height inflation. Yes. (laughs) A a giant. Yes. Anyway. His uh, pronouns are fee, fi, fo, and fum. Yes. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, the, 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 those stories. <laughs> yeah, they watched that documentary, and their uh, what they had to do was uh, a three, two, one, which is three things they learned, two things that uh, there are two things that they didn't uh, no three things they learned, two things that they already knew, and one question they still have. What was some of the one questions? A lot of them were what happened because in the documentary you see uh, a protester jump on the stage mm-hmm. a jewish man jump on the stage yes uh for those who don't know mm-hmm. uh the night of the garden ends badly for some of the uh, occupants because uh, a little known gangster named meyer lansky uh who showed up with a bunch of uh, other jewish gangsters mm-hmm. uh god bless him uh with bats and batons to uh kind of 
reset their education a little bit Mm -hmm. about their fellow American and what it meant to be an American. Uh, I applaud him for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I read that in a Playboy, of all things. Now you tell me. Yeah. I told the kids that, too. Yeah. I didn't Uh, know that's where you read that. Oh, my God. There's a lot of good things in Playboy. (laughs) All right. The jokes, the jokes are the best jokes in the fucking world. Oh but my the stories God. that Stephen King wrote for Playboy. Can you imagine how horrific that would have been for some people? Just like yeah. looking at pussy and then all of a sudden, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, <laughs> reading a fucking two-page short story by fucking Stephen King. <laughs> that is not a palate cleanser. <laughs> Just say it. Oh my God. But uh, but that's is that was. But no, he he. Uh, the Night at the Garden was a group of fascist Americans who agree Nazi sympathizers. Yes. Let's just say what they are: Nazi sympathizers, yes. swastikas as far as the eye can see. Yes, Hitler salutes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the kids were actually really uh, impressed by the woman who sang the national anthem mm-hmm. badly. Yeah, I told them that. I told them it's before no Lady Gaga. You know what I'm saying? I told them before I showed it. I said, "You are not allowed to laugh." At any point, I said there is a man that gets beaten badly. Mm. They rip his pants off. You are not allowed to make fun of him. You are not allowed to laugh. If you laugh, I'm going to send you straight to the principal and he's going to deal with you. I said there is one moment that you can laugh in this entire documentary. I said, and that is when the lady gets up and she starts yodeling the national anthem because she's trying to be an opera singer and she's bad. I said, you can laugh at her. Yeah. Because that's at the end. (laughs) I said, but the rest of it not a peep and it's dead silence the first time i showed it in the first block because it's my honors kids and there's little kids in this documentary carrying flags and playing drums and everything because it's basically a hitler youth camp yeah so uh, this is kind of where the film industry gets involved more than anything yeah uh propaganda to the next level yes uh, the moving pictures really sell the idea of birth of a nation yes um, rise of a nation you know that you know these these stories of uh the downtrodden mm-hmm. um rising up as a country which you know if your whole country's gone to shit economically that's kind of something you really want to see yeah they just took a different path Mm-hmm. Where it was, oh, it's a lot of flags, pomp, and circumstance, as opposed to what America was doing was grab a fucking shovel and build this goddamn road. Yeah. You know, that, as opposed to like actually doing something and just showing something, which kind of is the idea of what Nazi Germany was. A lot of, let's show you what we're about and not actually doing anything. Yeah. Except killing people on the side. Mm-hmm. Like, everything like, there were these ideas of what new Germany would look like under Nazism. And then they look, they had some great plans, you know, arboretums, you know, theaters, you know, a lot of social works, you know, a lot of hospitals and institutions and stuff like that, but never came to fruition because they're too busy taking whatever they fucking want. Yeah. And not putting shit aside for themselves, Mm -hmm. which is economically destructive. Yeah. But the, the fault of an empire. Yeah. When it was all over with, the first time I showed it to this this group this semester, I looked out. I didn't watch it because I've seen it. I was watching the kids. Mm-hmm. And I had a couple of students actually crying because they watched that kid get – they watched that – I think he was 21 – get beat up. Yeah. And I mean, they, they 
They gang up on him. They beat him up. They throw him off the stage. They rip his clothes off. I mean, they're beating him senseless. And I had some some of my younger students, like, hands over mouth, tears in their eyes. It was bad. And I got their papers back. And their papers told me why they were crying. One of them said, one of them said, I know you only asked for one question, but I got two. Why did they beat him so badly? And why were the little kids so excited about it? It's a cult of personality. Yeah. That's all I could say. Yeah. Um, kids are susceptible to what they look up to, to what they learn. Yeah. A great idea of this is a movie called, a documentary called Jesus Camp. Yep. I've seen uh, it. Uh, <laughs> the Christian Soldiers. Oh, boy. In uh, Kill Devil Hills. Yep. Um, which, stupid fucking name for a Christian camp. <laughs> but hearts uh, i think it's called hearts on fire or something like that yeah uh, yeah something like that um christian community but she was trying to make child soldiers mm-hmm. for christ and she's basically the the uh the lady basically outright said i quote the muslims have kid soldiers why can't christianity yeah and it's a cult of personality these she wanted to indoctrinate kids to be soldiers for god yeah and that ends badly mm-hmm. no one wins yeah I've seen um, it. but yeah that's a, it's what that is mm-hmm. uh, the hitler youth uh Beginning to end, yeah, our end all be all Nazis. They end up fighting, on they end up fighting at the end, yeah, because that's all that's left are the yeah. Hitler youth and old people mm-hmm. being told that hey, the Americans are coming to gut your goddamn face. You know they're they're going to rip you open. The Russians on the other side already killed the other Germans. You need to be ready. Yeah, and it's and for I see a lot of that when we talk about cults mm-hmm. of Jim Jones, especially just like no. They're going to come here and take you away from your children and kill your kids and do all these terrible things to you, which no, but probably. Like honestly, like, you killed a fucking senator. Like, yeah, I think the United States is you know probably going to show the fuck up and gut you like a fish. Uh, They're definitely going to take your kids. Yeah, because uh, you can't act right. But you know, I digress. But it is a very cult mentality. Yeah, end of days cult mentality of just like, oh no, these guys over here are going to kill us all. We need to fight tooth and nail. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the Japanese empire is exactly what it said. An empire. Mm-hmm. An empire of nationalist Japanese. Yeah. But they're so knee-deep in tradition. From the age of the samurai to the modern age of the 40s. Mm-hmm. They take the that that model and create an empire on it. Yes. But the Germans kind of steal from other Scandinavian countries and even ideologies to create Nazism. Yeah. But the end goal was the same. We are the best. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think there was that bridge of understanding between the Japanese and the German mm-hmm. was, no, these are the best Asians. These are the best whites. Mm-hmm. Period. Yeah. And we can coexist until we cross that line. Yeah. That we'll probably never meet. Yeah. On all intents and purposes. This happens with the Romans and the Chinese empires. Mm. Hey, why didn't Genghis Khan make his way westward? No, he did. He just didn't feel like going that far. Mm-hmm. The 
Roman Empire, Alexander the Great, went that far. He just stopped because there's an understanding. <laughs> mm-hmm. From here on is the Silk Road. Yeah. From here on is the paved road to Milan. You know, this is the understanding of two empires kind of existing. And I think that's what Germany and Japan had. Uh, America, however, didn't have to worry about that. Yeah. America was America. Mm-hmm. Period. Yeah. Um, American exceptionalism to its finest. Mm-hmm. We got ourselves into this mess. We'll get our fucking selves out of it. Yeah. With the New Deal. Yeah. And uh, I will dispel some myths. Uh, not everybody was cool with that. Yeah. Uh, if you saw what happened to some Americans during COVID and how they bitched and fucking moaned over toilet paper <laughs> and how they bitched and moaned about this and that, they were just the fucking same in the goddamn 20s, 30s, and 40s. Yeah. The greatest generation still bitched and fucking moaned. Okay? <laughs> you know, bitching and moaning is the way of the human existence. <laughs> okay? But then, but then, back then, it was ration cards. Yes. Or, my son is joining the military. Oh, there's a draft on. Mm-hmm. We don't know where our next meal's coming from. Yeah. They had it harder. Mm-hmm. And to make everything kind of like back on a base level, mm-hmm. you had to do some bad shit. Yeah. The New Deal, in all its intents and purposes, was to get people to work. Yeah. Through public funds. Mm-hmm. The money was there. The government prints out more money and per- tries its best not to make it inflated like Germany to where you're just burning the American dollar. Yeah. Create a base pay where we get the minimum wage, standard work week, 40 hours. And from there on, that's where we get most of our things we live by today. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was just like a baseline. That was just a little stuff. But everybody else bitched. If you ever watched the show The Waltons, that's a great example of what those people were like. Yeah. A big-ass family in a little house trying to make it work. Mm-hmm. And with bigotry mixed in because they met – John Ritter plays a bigot pastor in that, movie, in that show. He burns a Bible in German. He's like, we need to get rid of this. They're the enemy. And it's a book written in German. He doesn't know what it says. And he tosses it into the fire. And one of the Walton boys grabs that. He's like, Miss so-and-so, who speaks German. What is this? She's like, it's the Holy Bible. Hmm. And John Miller's like, well, 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 let me say something. And it's yeah. just like, no, you're an ass. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the things I told the kids about, which messed them up, is uh, my grandmother went through a whole lot during the Depression. And her daddy died. He had a heart attack. And he had a heart attack early. And that left them alone with their mother. And they had a farm. And their mother had never... uh, She'd never had a job. She was a mom. And they had four or five kids. And the youngest two were still in diapers. And he just dropped dead. There was no preamble. Yeah. So she had no idea what to do. So she tried to run the farm as best she could. And the older girls were doing their best to help out. But when you've never done it before, you don't know what to do. Yeah. So they tried. And they what they would do is when things would get dire, they'd sell off an animal. and they Or they would slaughter one to have food but you know you're living in a house with no heat no no lights 
you do what you can do. And then finally, the government comes to take the property. She goes to the Red Cross, which is what they tell you to do. And Lady at the Red Cross says, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Which is a language fallacy. And Meemaw said, I don't need anything. I can starve to death. I need help from my kids. My kids need help. She said, my advice to you is to stop being lazy and go get a job. Meemaw said, there's people outside standing in a line three deep that can't find a job. I've never held a job. These people have experience with jobs. You think I'm going to get a job over people that have had jobs? She said, don't you at least have a bag of potatoes or something that you could give me? Anything? Yeah. And the woman said, you're holding up my line. Yeah. So from then on, every time, even to the to Wheezy's last day on Earth, Red Cross call. No, you ain't getting shit. She'd tell them. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps and hang up the phone. Well, that kind of goes into hard times make hard people. Yeah. There's a, it's a different breed of people. Mm-hmm. There's a, there is a gap between people who are living through the Depression and people who are born after World War II. The old school tough. And it's not that they were, they were meant to be that way. It's they were born in circumstances where they had to be. Yeah. We are going to see that sooner or later because we live in what's called soft times. Mm-hmm. As bad as things are, like people see, like, you know, the economy, blah, blah, blah. We are living in soft times. Yeah. Which will eventually create soft people who have to deal with hard times. Mm-hmm. So it's a cycle that mm-hmm. happens. Um, and you have people who become hard people all throughout. Yeah. Whole generations of people are just hard asses. Yeah. Um, but that's a different kind of breed of people, you know, people who were in an instant without everything. Yeah. And whether or not they're better for it or not, is it, it's just the fact that they grew up to be hard. Mm-hmm. And rightfully so. Yeah. You know, if you're going to grow up in a situation that's bad, there's an understanding that you can be cyclical and very cynical about the people around you mm-hmm. and understand that, oh, hey, I can't ask for help. Because I'm never going to get it. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of people there. I know people that are like this who don't want help, who can actually use the help and just refuse it. Yeah. Because of principle, which is fine, you know, however you are. But it's mainly because they've asked for help before and didn't get and got shit for it or let themselves be known and got shit for it, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it's different strokes for different folks. I'm, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. But a whole generation of people are like this. Yes. At this time. They're understanding that the government doing their best will never be enough. Mm-hmm. So I think that was kind of the decision in FDR's mind in the very back was, I don't know what's going to happen next. Because at this time, Truman's not even his vice president at the time. It's someone else. Mm-hmm. So when he hears about what's going on in Europe, in the back of his mind, I imagine there's like, if we join, that'll be the economic boom. That'll save this country. Yeah. 
as fucked up as it is. Yeah. War is... War is so much fucking money. Yeah. And this is before the industrial complex, the military industrial complex. This was America building their shit. Yeah. Not Lockheed Martin, Northrop Grumman, GM, DuPont, making chemical weapons. This is America first engineering, America first prototypes, America first economy. Yeah. This is actually nationalism on the economic level. Mm -hmm. This is exactly what that's called. Yeah. It was, hey, you know, kids, grab scrap metal, take it to your nearest scrapyard, blah, blah, blah. Hey, uh, here's your ration cards. You know, ladies, you know, you did it during the Depression. Now, do it now. Was flower bags are made of cloth. We can make dresses out of flower bags. And Mm -hmm. that's where we get a lot of weird patterns is actually because flower companies would print different patterns on different bags of flour mm-hmm. and ship them out. Yep. Marilyn Monroe posed in one. Yeah. So you had all these people kind of booting, rallying, but still bitching. But, like, still booting, rallying around the country when Pearl Harbor happens. Yep. Now, December 7th, 1941, it's a Sunday. Yep. Everybody's relaxing. No one's doing anything. It's a very clear day. Mm-hmm. All intended purposes. And a Japanese air carrier decides to park outside of Hawaii and launch the opening salvo mm-hmm. that would be America's involvement in World War II. Yep. Now, there are conspiracies of whether or not the Americans knew that they saw planes coming through radar, that there was malfeasance on the text. And it's like, oh, man, there's probably a flock of fucking geese. You can't tell. It's new technology, so you really don't know. Yeah. What are we going to do? Blah, 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 blah. And around this time... There are congressmen and congresspeople going around saying America should not get involved with Germany mm-hmm. and in this new war. America shouldn't get involved with China. That's their problem. They need to handle it. Yeah. If they can't handle it, fuck them. Yeah. Then this happens. Yep. And then every congressman shuts the fuck up. And we saw it growing up mm-hmm. with 9-11. Yep. Everybody was, oh, let's do this, let's do that. Then 9-11 happened. He's like, let's kill them all. Let's get rid of them, wipe the white sling, let's throw the Bible in the back closet for a little bit and do it the way we need to do it. Let's let's go ahead and get rid of every Arab person we've ever seen. I don't care if they're Sikh Indians. I don't care if they're Muslim Arabs. I don't care. We need to get them gone and get them the fuck out of here. Yeah. Pakistani, Saudi Arabian, Yemen, whatever. Yeah. Whatever nomination needs to get got and gets got now. Mm-hmm. That's what I grew up seeing for a good four years. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. So I kind of understand where they were coming from. When you hear on the radio that, hey, a bunch of American soldiers, sailors, were victims of a sneak attack by a country you didn't know you were at war with. Yeah. All because the United States government decided, because of their allyship with China, decided to embargo the Japanese. Mm Mm-hmm. We can't knowingly give you oil if you're going to do terrible shit like you've been doing. Yeah. That one misstep. And it's not even a misstep. It was a moral obligation mm-hmm. we had to an ally. Yeah. The fact that we didn't step in, probably because we couldn't handle it then. Yeah. But the fact that we didn't step in caused Pearl Harbor. Yep. And then the next day, <laughs> Spaghetti Legs stands up <laughs> and says, this will be a day that will live in infamy. Blah, blah, blah. Let's go kick some German ass. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, what, what? What? Germans. He's like, no, no, no. You'll see. 
you'll all fucking see. Yeah. And he sat back in his little wheelchair, wheeled off to the cuts room, and talked to Joint Chiefs about some nasty shit that we're going to be doing for the next probably, what, six years? Thereabouts. <laughs> yeah. And that's the opener of World War II. Yep. I could only imagine what was going on in the offices of Italy and Germany at the time. You know what was going on in Germany? Yeah. Nine, 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 nine. nine. <laughs> Oh, just just taking so much privileged and just like, I gotta think. I gotta think super fast. <laughs> Why can't I think faster? <laughs> just that full like Coke rage, you know? Mm-hmm. So now, now with the opening of World War II, we get our big figures. We have FDR. Mm-hmm. Winston Churchill and Joseph Stalin. Yep. Joey Steele. <laughs> yep. Joey, Joey Steele. And on the other side are access power, access ally or access powers. We have Emperor Kiko Hirohito, Hirohito mm-hmm. Roberto Mussolini, mm-hmm. and Adolf Hitler. Yep. If there was a wrestling match, <laughs> this would be the biggest fucking wrestling match. Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, Roddy Piper, Junkyard Dog, the Mad Russian. You know, all these motherfuckers jumping in the ring. Sting. They fucking, they just, yeah. uh, Ray Mysterio throwing in an elbow every now and then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is the big grudge match. Yes. You know, and it is wild mm-hmm. because there are the lesser people who are really running the show. Yeah. Your Goebbels. Your Gorings, you know. Your Reinhard Heydrich. Yeah, Reinhard Heydrich. And then you got the lesser players of them. Rommel, who is in a fucked up predicament because he can't see his family because they'll be murdered unless he stops, unless he continues to murder British people in Northern Africa. So he got really good at a lot of killing because he had to. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying he's innocent. But fuck, man, he is in a tight spot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of all the Nazis we were talking about that I kind of feel bad for, it's Rommel. <laughs> yeah. All the other ones that came over and built rockets, they're great and everything, but they're fucking assholes too. Yeah, I'm with you there. But then you have you know, bigger figures on our end. You have uh, Charles de Gaulle, who had to create a provisional government in a holdout town mm-hmm. for France. The uh, Vichy government. Yeah. Mini Vichy government. You have Josephine Baker. Yeah. You have... Hannah Sinesh. You have Eisenhower, mm. who, I will say, the balls <laughs> on this man. <laughs> he should have arrived in a dump truck. Yeah. The balls... <laughs> of, aircraft carrier would have to carry this man over the sea. <laughs> to look at Winston Churchill, de Gaulle, all the Allies, generals, and say, I'm in charge. Shut the fuck up. And we're going to win this thing. Mm-hmm. That is some fucking varsity blues quarterback <laughs> shit. You know, that's what that is. Yeah, it is. Wouldn't that? We got it. It's just like, yep. we're going to blitz all night. It's like, holy shit, this guy's fucking nuts. Mm-hmm. And then he had to rein in some of his people. He had to rein in people like Patton, mm-hmm. who's, in all intents and purposes, is a Nazi sympathizer. Yeah. People forget that. Patton kind of agreed with the Nazis when it came to whiteness. Yeah. You know, the Aryan ideal. Mm-hmm. Because he's a dickhead. Yeah. He is. Uh, I remember when we were watching uh, Band of Brothers. Mm-hmm. The guys are stuck in the Ardennes Forest, the Black Forest of Europe. And cool fucking name, by the oh, way. Yeah. The Black Fort, the Black Pines of Europe, the Ardennes. And he's just like, uh, yeah, they said Patton came and rescued us. It's a goddamn lie. We could have <laughs> held out two more weeks. And it's just like, <laughs> dude, you were fighting SS by that time. Dude, these fucking strong arm motherfuckers yeah. you were fighting an army of serial killers by that point yep and you probably could have 
Winters probably would have killed all of them. <laughs> yeah, Colonel, by himself. <laughs> Colonel, I love to do an episode just about that psycho uh, fucking. Uh, what was he? Uh, what was a uh, a Mennonite or some shit? Yeah, yeah. This fucking Quaker motherfucker just killing Nazis and shit. He's like, well, we gotta win. It's fuck me, dude. <laughs> I never would have guessed it. Kind of like Tom Hanks and fucking. Mm-hmm. Hey, what do you do? Oh, he's a fucking teacher. Who would have thought? Just bow, <laughs> bow, bow, killing people until he gets to Matt Damon. But. You have this guy saying, "Oh, I got this." Very casual. Oh yeah, and like he, it is a very serious moment mm-hmm. because him and Patton are veterans of World War One. Yes. So is Winston Churchill. So is Charles de Gaulle. You know, these guys know what knee deep in the blood and guts was, and mm-hmm. they don't want to see that. Plus, they have new technology to work with. Yep. So not so much de Gaulle, but Churchill and FDR is like, look, the planes are better. The Germans are better, building better planes. We can build planes. We can build tanks. They're not going to be as good as the Germans, but they're going to work. But we can build better ships. But we can also build a lot of planes and a lot of goddamn tanks. And a lot of ships. And that, that it became a numbers game. Yep. It's like, so let's go into that with some of the weapons that are just batshit insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the standard weapons for the Nazis were the Car 98 bolt action rifle. Mm-hmm. I've shot one of these. It's a fantastic rifle. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you had the MP40, which was a submachine gun. Mm-hmm. A lot of them had that. So back in World War One, the machine gun was like a two-man crew operation. Yes. But now I've made it with a pistol grip and a forward grip, and now mm-hmm. you could do it from there. America had already developed a gun like this in World War One, but didn't want to use it because mm-hmm. it'd be unfair. Yeah. They invented two, actually. One was the BAR. Yep. The Browning Automatic Rifle. I've shot one of those. Loud as fuck, ain't it? Oh yeah. Now imagine, <laughs> now imagine you're a five foot woman named Bonnie yes. with a sawed off version popping one off out the window. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know she's a horrible monster, but America, fuck yeah! <laughs> but that's what it was about, you know. Um, and then you had the Chicago typewriter, the Thompson submachine gun. Yep. But it wasn't invented in its proper form until during the, the 20s and 30s. Mm-hmm. They had a version of it right at the tail end of World War One that they were going to use, but they didn't want the, not, the Germans to get a hold of it. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we let it go. But by the time the 20s and 30s, we realized, holy shit, you can write your name with this goddamn thing. It's that accurate. I yeah. shot one of these. I don't know if you've ever shot one. Mm-mm. It's fast as fuck. Like, it's like, <laughs> like, you don't tap that fucking thing. Done. Like four, run, four rounds down like that. Yeah. You're, you're fucking some shit up. Mm-hmm. And it's shooting pistol ammo. It's not shooting rifle ammo. Same with the MP40. Mm-hmm. But then you have... Shotgun. You know, like, the automatic shotgun is invented mm-hmm. as opposed to the pump. The pump shotgun is magnificent. Mm-hmm. And then you had the M1 Garand. Mm-hmm. The ping. That sound is fucking terrifying. Yeah. Because you hear that ping, that means there's going to be eight more rounds coming at your ass in less than a second because he's going to reload in less than a second. But that also means that your enemy knows you're out of ammo. For a minute. Yeah. And then they're going to come and they're just like, holy shit, he reloaded because you don't hear a second ping. <laughs> Stripper clips and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, fun fact, the M1 carbine, which is the smaller version of the uh, M1, which is foldable, holds a clip at the bottom, doesn't make a fucking ping noise, was invented by a prisoner in prison. Hmm. <laughs> They were making guns in prison. Mm-hmm. Great fucking idea. Uh, and he's like, well, this gun's too heavy. I can't 
go in and out of a room with this. This, mm-hmm. is, this is a fucking rifle. This is for hunting deer. Fuck that. He chops the butt off of it, puts a wire fucking butt on it, folds it in, loads it from the bottom, pull. Is that the paratrooper gun? Basically. I shot one of those. Yeah. An M1 carbine mm-hmm. is something an officer would carry mm-hmm. or a small group of soldiers who are going in kind of secretly would carry. Uh, it's compact, but it's the same bullet, it's the same round, but it's M1 carbine. Mm-hmm. That's what the carbine means, a uh, smaller weapon. Yeah. Um, so you have those weapons coming in. Mm-hmm. The fucking Japanese are using bolt-action Osaka rifles. And the bullets are made of wood. Oh because they're running out of metal. <laughs> <laughs> okay? And they also carry swords. The yeah. officer is carrying a small sword, either to commit suicide or to behead a prisoner. Mm-hmm. We'll get into the, the ethics of the Japanese later on. Mm. But their weapons weren't that great. Yeah. They fought like motherfuckers. Oh, yeah, yeah. But their weapons weren't that great. Yeah. The Italians are using leftover British 308s rifles. Mm-hmm. They're using leftover guns. Um, the Shosho rifle mm-hmm. actually still lasted. The shitty French machine gun, mm-hmm. they had those in stock just in case. They were going to defend the boot of, Euro- of Europe with shitty machine guns <laughs> from the British, who had went away from the bolt-action rifle, mm-hmm. the three hundred three or three hundred eight, to a thirty out six round mm-hmm. with the BAR mm-hmm. that they bought from the United States. So you're dealing with whole different types of weaponry. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Italians are still using Maxim Maxim machine guns yeah. from World War One. They are. Badly armed. After they take Greece, they are badly armed. Yeah. They burn through stock very quickly. The Germans, who are their ally, quote unquote, don't give a fuck. Yeah. As long as you're down with fascism, we really don't give a fuck what you're doing. Good luck. Hold the line. We'll be there in a minute. Yeah. The Russians, though. The Russians had the great idea of, you get a rifle, you get the ammo. He goes down, you pick up the rifle, and you put the ammo in, and you fire that motherfucker. Oh, dear God. The defense of Stalingrad, everyone. <laughs> One, two, gun, bullets, gun, bullets. Good luck. Everybody gets one. <laughs> the joke was, you got three bullets. One for the German, one for yourself, and one for the guy holding the rifle. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but Russia, Russia came out kind of came out in a bad way yeah they're coming up on a new idea ideology with communism uh all their aristocracy is gone mm-hmm. by world war one yeah uh they have no way to defend themselves mm-hmm. uh they didn't vest interest in any type of defense uh they did create a submachine gun called the ppsh which is a small long-barreled submachine gun that has a drum magazine and a rifle end uh it's a terrible weapon. It's super inaccurate. Uh, the Koreans used it during the first Korean War against the South Koreans. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is the most popular communist weapon ever. Mm-hmm. It looks like a shitty little... If you, if you had a Kia, draw a gun. <laughs> That's what it looks like. It's a uh, air-cooled barrel. It's not a great weapon. Mm-hmm. It shoots a bunch of tiny rounds downrange. It's not super accurate. That's it. But you also have something else that the Americans have that they've been using since World War One, the Colt 1911, mm-hmm. the officer's handgun, yeah, uh, the peacemaker. 
Hopeless. You know, uh, uh, the Samuel Colt line is just like, <laughs> everyone's equal, Samuel Colt made it so. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> on the sixth day, God created man. On the seventh day, Samuel Colt made him even. Yep. Everyone's equal until Samuel Colt showed up and made it true. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, we start using these weapons. And then we have a guy come up with the idea, well, what if we had something in the air that you couldn't shoot out of the sky? Something so massive and dangerous. <laughs> and then we get the idea of the B-52. Mm-hmm. The flying fortress. Yeah. Today we have something scarier called the AC-130. <laughs> the AC-130 can drop two Abrams tank on your position and defend a country for about a week. Yeah. While in air. Yeah. Uh, shooting all kinds of nasty fucking rounds that probably were at one point in a nuclear factory um, mm-hmm. made of depleted uranium and giving everyone cancer. But I, I digress. Yeah. I'm not talking about the standard tactics of practices of the U.S. military. But that is the first terrifying thing in the air. Yes. Um, a good friend of mine, his grandmother was a child when World War II ramps up. Mm-hmm. And she told him that hey what what did you see when you were a kid and she talks about the sky of north carolina being filled with planes Hmm. going east of bombers flying probably from alabama yeah going east and the sky being filled with bombers constantly Hmm. flying over and i can only imagine what that's like i live near an airport i can see a plane one or two but a fleet a whole battalion of goddamn planes flying yeah, that, to, to that, the coast, probably to link up with a carrier along with the USS North Carolina, along with you know another ship out in the fucking Atlantic to go overseas or to go down south or to go overseas the other way. Yeah, that would be scary. That is a kind of a surreal moment. That is something you don't want to see, but kind of being like, that is something to see. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So, but no, she talks about seeing this kind of thing and how batshit insane for me that was. I was just like, fuck, dude, that's fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. But that's, the, that's one of those experiences, you know, those unique experiences people have mm-hmm. when it came to World War II. Yeah. A lot of it was seeing the changing of the guard of, oh, wait, you know, my kid is being sent to the front mm-hmm. because he has brothers. Yeah. Or... My son's volunteering because his father fought probably in World War One. Yeah. Or, you know, you have this this whole kind of generational wartime thing. It's like, look, we I went over there and fought the Germans. And you don't want to know what kind of shit I saw. Mm-hmm. But it's your time. Yeah. It's your time now. It's the Johnny Get Your Gun fucked up mentality of war. Yeah. But also, it kind of kickstarts... The modern United States is, if without World War II, do you have women leaving the home to work? Do you have African Americans demanding equal rights? Do you have people demanding equal rights on an even plane of other people, of any in of any demographic? Mm-hmm. Does that happen without World War II? I don't think so. I think America had to be that shining city and prove that we're better than all this. Because look, all we sent all our guys our best to fight in your shitty countries. The women built everything. Mm-hmm. Even people that you consider lesser than kicked the shit out of you. Yeah. Whole battalions 
of those kind of guys of African Americans, so the Tuskegee Airmen, Red mm-hmm. Tails, knock Nazis out the fucking air. Yeah. Why? Is it because they're better? No, it's because they're fucking Americans. <laughs> because I think that's what pushes America over the top. We're already scary going into World War II mm-hmm. because we are this fertile crescent of the new world still. People yeah. still believe that. Like It's fucking amazing. Like, people are like, America isn't right. <laughs> there is no old world. You know, there isn't some old world of empires like Europe and Asia, Africa, you know, who have this longevity history of written down down to the Egyptians, mm-hmm. going through the Romans, going through, you know, whatever, the Renaissance and everybody's America's just like, how old's America? Two, three hundred years. Not even that. Not in nineteen forty. No, oh, yeah, no, no, not that. Nineteen forty. We're just like maybe 150, 130, maybe. Mm-hmm. And they're like, they're brand new. They don't know what war is. And like, no, they do. Because they're the (laughs) sons and daughters of all the people who knew what war was, saw it, and decided to make standards and practices and throw it out the goddamn window. Yeah. Uh, Oh, no, the the gentlemanly side of war, which the British do. And it's just like, no, we're going to take his fucking teeth. Because it's mine now. Like you said, we're going to hide behind a tree. (laughs) We're going to hide behind the tree. The guerrilla warfare. Yeah. The idea of that, this, the the amount of disrespect the United States gives to other countries when they fight a war <laughs> is hilarious to me. What do you mean you stand in line and shoot each other? That's fucking stupid. <laughs> we fought a whole civil war in the woods. Yeah. Families fight each other in the woods. Hatfield McCoy's, we really still think about it. Hog justice. Yep. <laughs> yep. They fought that way. Americans, how did they fight World War II? They didn't fight out in the open, motherfucker. Nope. They didn't fight on open field with the German. No. No. They went into cities, house by house. Mm-hmm. We call it insurgency now. Yep. How do we win this? We go on town. We're going to house by house, mm-hmm. dragging these motherfuckers out, putting a bullet in, in front of God and everybody. Round up the town. This is how Old West was solved. Hey, where's the asshole who killed my brother? I drag him out of the brothel. Well, hey, everybody, come on, come on out. Oh, y'all see this? Boom! Hell yeah, brother. Let's go to church. <laughs> that's how America does it. That's how America does it. And I think that's the most unique, disrespectful way of fighting people. Even Japanese were just like, these people aren't people. They will eat us. Because they think we're cannibals. That's a fact. That's a fact. The <laughs> Japanese thought the U.S. Marine ate people. That's not propaganda. That's not just regular propaganda. That was something we told them. That is not something the Japanese just thought of. Could you imagine that? The average height of an Asian back then was probably five foot four. You're being told that a six foot two, 200 pound man from America, from across the big water, built a ship, is going to sail it all the way to your island, and he eats human flesh as sustenance. You're, yeah. And it's 1930s, 1940s. There isn't like a television or YouTube channel. I'm like, no, that's all bullshit. No, 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 no. No, that's what they fucking believe. Yeah, I could see that. That actually goes into the 50s. Did you know that? Mm-mm. Into the North Koreans. Hmm. There's a whole museum of how the Americans fought North Korea. In North Korea. And it shows us basically eating children. If you want to talk about proper propaganda, if Nazis were good, the Japanese and Koreans are perfect. That's a fact. 
Yeah. So if your grandpa had went to the other side of the world, they would have fled. Yeah. Uh, your grandpa was what, six foot four? Five eleven. Five eleven. They would have fled. Mm-hmm. They would have fled because they're like, this guy's a goddamn cannibal. <laughs> we still use it today. Yeah, we do. On the North Korean border. We send our tallest guys to the border to stand guard. And the stupid fucking belief is like we're just going to snatch a North Korean guard in the God, God knows how open land and eat him in front of his friends. That's what they're told. Even though they have a version of the internet, they've seen movies, they know we're not cannibals. But that's what they believe. I love that idea. Because that's hilarious. Because that's tactics used a lot. How to dehumanize the enemy. Yeah. We use that against the Japanese. Mm-hmm. The Japanese aren't people. The Japanese are lesser than. The German is just confused. He needs to be fixed. That's that's how it was. Yeah. Uh, how do you get second and third generation Germans to join the United States Army to fight cousins yeah you know how do you do that they're like no your cousins are gone they're not right in the fucking head we need to brainwashed they're brainwashed and the only way to fix a brain fix a brainwashing is a bullet to the brain it's true yeah how do you fix it i can't go down to jonestown and fix them all the kool-aid's gone whoa (laughs) i gotta bring a trash bag and a baseball bat and zip ties and do it that way I gotta deprogram some people. Yikes! <laughs> yikes! Oh, oh, that gets the yikes, not the nine hundred motherfuckers died in here. I digress. This, this is a, however, Chris's version of history. Okay, but when you're teaching, when you're teaching, I, you, uh, me, and you had talked about it, I believe, uh, earlier this year, uh, how propaganda is taught. Yes. So you, uh, you had showed them uh, kind of di- uh, uh, pictures of you know German Nazi propaganda. Mm-hmm. As opposed to American propaganda, mm-hmm. what did they what did what did they kind of see? I can actually take you in a different direction. This semester, I showed them no uh, stay on the direction of hate. <laughs> no, I showed them Dr. Seuss propaganda oh, yeah. cartoons, and they loved that. Where all the who's in Whoville? Uh, I did not speak up because I was not a who from Whoville. No, I showed them uh, one of my favorites. Uh, I didn't realize Dr. Seuss... I bought a book called Dr. Seuss Goes to War. Yes. When we went to the Holocaust Museum. And I brought it out. And I did a couple things with it. And one of them... Because the kids were... One of the things that we talked about a lot was the... uh, How hard it was to get into the United States from Germany at the time. Yeah. And the kids were like, well, why didn't they just come here? And I'm like, well... Well, folks, because simple solutions are not that fucking simple. Yeah. So that was one of the things we were talking about. And then I talked about how Dr. Seuss made his cartoon about that. And one of them that I showed them, which made everybody just... Everybody just stopped talking in the room. And even one of my classes that's a little more on the rambunctious side, even they got quiet. And it's a picture of like a mother grandmotherly type mm-hmm. and she's sitting in a chair and she's uh got two kids like on the arms of each chair and her sweater says america first and she's reading a book called adolf the wolf yep 
and it says, and then the wolf gobbled up the children and ate and ate them whole. But those were foreign children, and it didn't really matter. Yep. And the kids just got quiet, and they all looked at me, and I grinned real big, and I said, so what do we think about this? And they are like, whoa. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I know. I know it's a lot. I said, but it made you think, didn't it? I said, so imagine the only form other than the radio that you have is a newspaper. You open up your Sunday morning newspaper and that's what you see. I said, because the United States at the time wasn't even letting kids come over. Because there was a whole ship of just kids they were going to let come over. I said, and a bunch of people wouldn't let the kids come over because they said that the kids could be spies or the kids could be trouble or my favorite, the kids would be wards of the state and they would have to pay for them and they would have to supply them food and they wouldn't be able to hold jobs and all this kind of mess. And that really got to them. Well, it's a, it's a tale as old as, as America. Yeah. Like, how do we deal with this influx of Dutch? How do we deal with this influx of Germans? How do we deal with this influx of Irish and then the Italians? second wave of irish or how do we deal with eastern european poles you know how do we deal with these people over time and we have a state of ebb and flow mm-hmm. that's a fact yeah uh but like i said before america is a giant melting pot so let's melt it for all it's worth yeah hybrid vigor and whatnot because mm-hmm. eventually america is the standout yeah no one comes over here because it's the last resort. They come here because it's the first goddamn option. Yeah. And it's the best fucking option. Mm-hmm. That's something I think people have lost pride in. In my stand. You know, it's a whole different argument down the road. How you want to see it. How do you want to see America first? Mm-hmm. All that. I believe America first, but America's the the president of the world, so he can do whatever the fuck it wants. <laughs> All right. Uh, honestly, let's let's go ahead and let, put our cars on the table. Who the fuck's going to stop us? If America goes south, you know what I'm saying? Like if it, <laughs> and the hard and the hard aspect of the world, you know, the Germans were good, but they weren't us now good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They weren't allies with themselves eight times over. Yeah. <laughs> so, and with propaganda, what I love is you have a very direct message when it came to the Nazis. Mm-hmm. These people are lesser. Yeah. Uh, caricatures of the people they hate the jews the poles the slavs you know people they they use the uh an old science called phrenology mm-hmm. uh there is a a documentary about a woman from austria who studied phrenology all of her life got the fuck out of germany by the getting was good and still studied phrenology up until 1979 mm-hmm. and was still trying to peddle this idea of like the way someone's skull is shaped determines if they're going to be a criminal. Yeah. And I'm just like, this bad shit stuff. <laughs> you know, like, like, oh, no, if, it, if they didn't trace their line, lineage back to fucking Charlemagne, they're going to be fucking awful people. It's like, yeah. no, dumbass. That just people are born with bad circumstances, mm-hmm. and you just piled onto it. They either become bad or good. It's just, yeah. it's just a flip of the coin. Not genetically predisposed. That's where you start getting torn... Uh, Kind of like now, where you start getting terms like poisoning the blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of authoritarian people, uh, candidates even, uh, use that terminology of it's like, uh, oh, Germany is being poisoned by the Jew. 
mm-hmm. being poisoned by the Slav. Uh, we cannot succeed if there are mudbloods running around. Yeah. We heard that quite a bit the last few times going around, election cycle here and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But with, uh, with propaganda, it's very on the nose when you see it. Uh, a lot of it was, you know, when we were growing up, it was country music from 2002 to 2004 was a lot of America first, you know, propaganda type stuff. Uh, Toby Keith is what I think of all the time was all those uh, post 9-11 pro war songs. Yeah. Even though if you had asked that motherfucker before 2001, if, if New York was on fire, he wouldn't piss on it to save it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you kind of just you, know, you take advantage while the getting was good. And all sides did it. They all fucking did it. Yeah. But with with the rise of World War II, America's first response isn't to go after Japan. Yeah, that's what messed me up. Because it's crippled. The Pacific Theater is crippled on our side in 1941, going into 42. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we boot and rallied six months later and started refilling those ranks. You had a large influx of people volunteering immediately. Yes. Right when Christmas hits. You had people, New Year's, turn of the year. You're already on fucking Paris Island training with the Marines, or you're in Georgia training with the fucking Army. You're doing this new thing called the Air Force. Mm -hmm. You know, the Navy is getting gobbling everybody up from San Francisco to San Diego. Everybody's going to port. Annapolis on the eastern coast is loaded up. Mm -hmm. Newport loaded up. And then the states who are really going to be the manufacturing hubs start putting out product immediately. Alabama is actually one of the biggest ones. Uh, Alabama becomes this this hub in the Gulf mm-hmm. of just creating ships and tanks and shit. And it's just this big-ass factory. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, if you ever watch Ken Burns' World War II, he talks about how mm-hmm. big Alabama was. And you had the shipyards of New York, Boston. you know. Then you had uh, Seattle, San Francisco, like I said again, all these people just putting out fucking product. And now the whole country, from Maine to California, from Oregon to Florida, has become a giant goddamn factory. Yep. And what people don't realize is there's a a little part that become very important are the people of Alaska. Mm -hmm. The people of Alaska had to do something a little nuts. The people of Alaska are kind of so far out in the last frontier that the Canadians start going to Alaska to train. Hmm. But they're training for something else. They're training for a winter war to go through Russia, through Korea, and attack Japan from Korea. Hmm. A large swath of kind of, let's say, secret soldiers, basically, are being trained in Alaska to go over to Japan to sneak attack Japan. And it's not found out until like the 60s where everybody's like, well, what, what was what was Alaska doing? That was not a state, but it was, you know, a territory. What were they doing? Oh, no, they were going to be prepared to do nasty shit. Mm-hmm. Like they had a plan to propagate the idea of serial killers on the islands of Japan. <laughs> a psychological warfare idea of, oh, no, there's a demon that lives on these islands that's killing Japanese people and eating them. That was going to be like a plan. Like... They let it go. They didn't let it. They didn't like kick it off or anything. They didn't fire the starting gun. They're like, yeah, we're going to send people there to look Japanese, to kill Japanese people, make it look like a demon did it. 
hmm. as guilt for what they did to Pearl Harbor. And it was just like this weird pseudo-psychological thing that kind of plays into what the OSS and the CIA become later on. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what are some nasty cultural things we can do to really fuck with them? A great story is this is the uh, uh, vi- Vampire of the Philippines where they would play music <laughs> in the Philippines and make them think there was a giant bat creature in the mountains of the Philippines. <laughs> oh, my God. Which is true. <laughs> but with with all that, do y'all talk about... I know you guys talk about you know, D-Day. You know, you have your big events. Mm-hmm. So you're going into 1944, a big gap. Yeah. From December 41 to June 6, 44. Mm-hmm. It's a large... Large gap. Yes. With that being said, do you ever talk about what happens like right in between with like the invasion of North Africa with the British failing to invade Italy? Do you ever talk about that when you do World War II? I didn't really know. Mm-hmm. I was trying to I the notes were like I said, I covered World War Two in a week. Yeah. So that was a lot of it from the American aspect. So I covered the big battles. A lot mm-hmm. of it was like the Ardans. Our dad's offensive. Yeah. And with Easy Company. Yeah. yeah. And then I talked about um, the end when everybody surrendered. You talk about when uh, a small group of uh, Allied forces landed in that French town to kill those zombies? <laughs> Remember we watched that documentary about it in the movies? Yeah, no. Uh, Overlord, I believe what it was called. Yeah. Hale's Bell is playing in the background. Yeah. <laughs> that absolutely great movie that should have got an Oscar. Oh, man. <laughs> Fucking awesome. It's a video game movie. <laughs> it should have been. You almost broke my door down that day. You gotta watch this, doc- you gotta watch this trailer. It's Hale's Bell's by ACDC. And it's the... It's the invasion of fucking Normandy. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Best use of an ACDC song. Absolutely. Uh, no, I did not cover that. Uh, Good. <laughs> no, we talked about uh, all the major battles. And then we talked about when Russia flip-flops. Yes. So Russia, <laughs> Russia after Pearl Harbor, uh, shortly after, decides to uh, join the Allied forces uh and then there's a great uh, photo of the three guys who were going to cut the world in half yeah stalin churchill and fdr just yeah. sitting in malta i believe yep. uh, and they're sitting together and just like you know that conversation is just like well we could take this and you can have this and america's like well we're taking this for sure and yeah. we're getting this and it's basically how the guys are going to divide up the world because they knew they're going to win yeah because italy has already faltered mm-hmm. through allied support with the british and Americans in, in the Mediterranean. You have the Japanese kind of on their heels a little bit before Midway. Mm-hmm. Midway is a big turning point. Yeah. Uh, but you also have them just fighting us. Yeah. The Russians, here's the fucked up thing. We dropped the first bomb, okay, mm-hmm. in August 7th. Yeah. August 8th. Before we drop the second bomb, Russia's like, we're going to invade China, Japan. And then we drop the second one, and Japan says, for the love of God, don't let the Russians come here. Yeah. Because the news had already arrived of what the Russians were doing when the Americans and Russians were splitting Germany in half mm-hmm. post-VE Day. And plus, America really wanted an ally in the Pacific, mm-hmm. just in case. Yeah. And, you know, we've already tested two of our coolest weapons, <laughs> which we'll talk about later. Yeah. But, but with the Japanese, you know, we talk about we'll talk about the Holocaust. In the backdrop of the Germans just trying to take over Europe, 
as much as they can. They've developed the V2 rocket, mm-hmm. the V1 and V2, uh, Warner Von Braun, yep. uh, who comes over to the United States after Operation Paperclip to build rockets for us, mm-hmm. uh, where we may or may not have landed on the moon. <laughs> um, we totally landed on the moon. Whatever. Sheep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> whatever you want to believe, sheeple. Um, but we also have... The idea of the Blitzkrieg, yep. How to fight? How to fight uh, allied nations? Uh, strike hard, strike fast, no mercy. The Cobra Kai way. <laughs> uh, you have a large influx of German soldiers who are now being redirected to a secret thing that's not part of the war. It's yeah. part of the war effort, and you start getting groups like the Eitzengruben. Mm-hmm. I don't care if I'm pronouncing it right. They are people who are companies of serial killers. Yes. Who have to exist to do the nasty shit. Some of them do it while addicted to drugs and alcohol, and some of them do it just because they want to. Yeah. So these are people that either were too nasty on the battlefield. Yep. Or just really wanted to do it. Or they were picked because they just drew an unlucky straw yeah um this uh a lot of them who were captured after world war ii uh were put under some psychological studies and asked questions Mm -hmm. and some of them found out that they could turn it on and off that some of them were like oh no no when it was over i went back home Mm -hmm. and it's never thought about it and then when they were captured because they were you know they were hey what did you do I i was part of this company oh come with us yeah and then it was, why the fuck did you do that? And it's just like, well, somebody my, told me to. Yeah, it's my fucking job. Yeah, it's a job. And they, and the idea that the human brain, and they just compacted on the studies that had been done before of, you'd be surprised what you can do when you need to do something. Mm-hmm. It was also they said, they said it was the same mentality of people who uh, resorted to cannibalism or apophagy when uh, when you have to eat the dead body of someone. Yeah, uh, that you could turn that part of your brain off. And just do it. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they were right, but no. I am. There's a fucking understanding that they could turn it off and not feel remorse, guilt, or empathy, and turn it back on and been like, "Oh, those poor people. Oh, what the fuck happened? You know, it's just a matter of turning yourself on and off. Some of them could. Some of them. Some of them just turned it on all the time. And some of them turned it off. All the time. Yeah. So some of them, some of them turned that part of their brain on and been like, let's kill, kill, kill. Let's get it done. Uh, uh, shout out to a great documentary on Netflix called Ordinary Men, which is based on a book of the same name, which is extremely good. Yeah. So another part of this, uh, we had talked about it on uh, Movies Based on a True Story, were the Nazis who came up with this plan. Mm-hmm. One of them was a colonel who was in the field. And talked about, hey, we need to figure something else because I got guys freaking the fuck out on the battlefield. Yeah. They're not fighting Russians. They're shooting women and children. Yes. They're not right in the head. I'm worried about them. And he's spoken like a motherfucker the whole time, which I understand. Like, this motherfucker needs some stress relief. Yeah. And they're like, oh, no, we figured it out. And then their little convention happens and they're just like, their little conference happens. Yeah. Uh, conspiracy if you guys never seen it it's a fantastic movie um it's, it's a good on ho- max right now it's a great horror film yes uh, i saw somebody describe it as 
one of the craziest horror films ever made. And I was like, I kind of agree with you. Yeah, I do too. Now that you say it that way. But uh, their idea was to ethnically cleanse Europe mm-hmm. of the lesser than. Yes. One is people of the Jewish persuasion mm-hmm. or um, ethnic Jews. Yes. Which is a batshit term. Mm-hmm. Just say people who aren't wasps. Yes. White, no Anglo-Saxon Jackson. Protestants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the Catholics kind of help along this little this little plan. Yep, they help and or turn their head. Both. Um, yeah. <laughs> but what's crazy is there's a little don't figure. I can't pronounce his name correctly, uh, but it's the Japanese ambassador to Germany. Have you heard about this man? I have. He didn't quite agree. Yeah. Because he saw Germans' idea of science as a pseudoscience. Yes. And this is where we're going to get a big, big push about what exactly the Germans did to propagate belief and what the Japanese did to propagate their beliefs mm-hmm. was the act of scientific discovery. Um, he didn't believe that there was this idea of a human that was lesser than because they were born Jewish mm-hmm. or they were born on a different part of the world. Mm-hmm. So one of the things he did was he wrote visas mm-hmm. for children. Yes, he did. Who have them escape Germany and part of uh, Eastern Europe and go to Japan. Yep. I can only imagine the wild-ass discovery of some fucking first marine sergeant why are all these white kids here <laughs> in japan just chilling and they're all speaking german and hungarian and austria you know where did they come from and the guy's like well you see <laughs> don't worry about it i was leaving nuremberg and i had a lot of room <laughs> there's a lot of room in the suitcase uh mm-hmm. but no he, he ends up saving quite a few Mm-hmm. children from yes. the holocaust because mm-hmm. the japanese were not a ideal of ethnically better theirs was a little bit more hardcore scientific of test and release here's where we have a difference between the holocaust and the japanese holocaust the germans believed that physics was a jew science mm-hmm. and that's why they didn't develop the nuke as fast as we did yeah. Because they're dumb. But they also have some people like Mangala, mm-hmm. who believe that uh, certain things operate within the human body on a pseudo-psychological level. Yeah. He was wrong, mm-hmm. and all his discoveries were bullshit. Mm-hmm. Now, that's Nazi science. Eugenics, stuff like that, that's Nazi science. Yeah. It's fucking dumb. Mm-hmm. Here's the problem with Japanese science. It tested and tested and was right. I need to know how malaria affects the human body if it's not affect, you know, not being treated for six months. We cut this motherfucker open while he's alive to see how malaria works. <laughs> we know everything we know about malaria, cancer, pneumonia, typhus, uh, Organ failure, cancer, syphilis, mental degradation. We knew all this because of fucking Japanese people. 
You want to know what happens to the human body if you cryogenically freeze an arm and break it? We know. We don't have to test it. We just fucking know. Mm-hmm. Because they did that shit. Yeah. They did it to Koreans. They did it to American soldiers. They did it to fellow Japanese people. Yeah. People who weren't going along to get along. Mm-hmm. And that's Unit 731. Yeah. It doesn't become a obvious until the late 50s and 60s when they're just like, well, what were the Nazis, what were the Japanese doing about science back then? Everybody, this was a scientific war more than anything. What, what were they doing? Horrific shit. Yeah. That we kept secret. Permanently. Mm-hmm. So, like, when you talk about, uh, there's a, a documentary called Empire of the Sun that talks about this. And it talks about the horrific things that happens in 731. Mm-hmm. Underground tunnels, funneling people out, funneling people in. And, you know, you talk about war crimes, general war crimes, you know, rape, murder, torture, stuff like that. They did this to a scientific end. And the quote from Conspiracy is, it doesn't matter what we do as long as it's, we prove it to the people we did it in the legal way. Mm-hmm. We did it the legal way and we'll be justified for it. Yeah. They took a scientific approach which legitimately became justified later on. Like, how do I know that if I take a kidney out of someone with the same blood type, same blood panel, and put it in another person, does it work? It's not because of the Nazis. Because the Japanese Empire did it <laughs> and tested it, mm-hmm. and tested it, and tested it. They didn't just do it one time; they did it thirty fucking times. Yeah. Hey, what is it? How do we know that we can increase the height of someone? They figured that out <laughs> by stretching the femur bones in people's legs. They figured that shit out. <laughs> but it's all because, on the backdrop of World War II, is we need bodies. Yeah. And in 1937. During an invasion of China, the opening gunshots of World War II, mm-hmm. instead of Poland, they get their material. Yeah. And to me, the beginning of World War II is 1937. Mm-hmm. Because that's when scientific discovery in the modern age is in full effect. Yeah. And it's horrific. Yeah. Bat shit insane, if you would say. <laughs> I would say. Yeah, so... I want to leave it off there. We'll come up to a part two on this, talking about how America really started driving the knife in a little bit when it comes to Germany and Japan, and even mm-hmm. the Italians. Hey. Fuck them. <laughs> the greatest quote in America ever had, fuck them. <laughs> you know it's the best one. You know, I put that on a history book. Fuck them, the history of the United States, and it's Alice. <laughs> I'm sure it would be there somewhere. Oh, number one bestseller by Chris Morris. <laughs> Forward by Christy Phillips. <laughs> Don't believe a goddamn word in this book. <laughs> written in hand. Like, written like, don't read a goddamn word. Yep. I would write it crossways. Don't believe anything you read from here on out. Well, folks, thanks for listening. I know it's kind of a long episode. Uh, we got some stuff we got to do knock out. But come join us every week or two uh, <laughs> on the Cryptic Conspiracy Cult. Something good for you. Um, this fucking guy. History of God, of course, and everything else on the Something Good Network. Uh, we hope you have a great 2024. I hope you guys keep listening. Thanks for listening. See you later. You've been listening to the Something Good Network. If you liked what you heard, you can follow us on Instagram and check out the other great shows on the network. Link is in the episode description.